You know, Dano Seasoning is changing the world one table at a time by offering the best all-natural low-sodium seasoning products on the market. Dano's goals are to provide you with real flavors to make healthier food choices without ever having to sacrifice the real taste. Dano's includes low sodium, which is only 50 milligrams per serving. It has all natural unrefined sea salt. There's no sugar, no MSG, no chemicals, and it's completely gluten-free. Also, there's 100% natural ingredients. Dano's seasoning is the most versatile seasoning on the market. Grill, smoke, bake, create soups, sauces, marinades. You can also sprinkle Danos on your eggs, your potatoes, maybe some pizza, maybe some pasta, and even while you're watching a movie, sprinkle some Danos on popcorn. Heck, if you're crazy, why don't you put some Danos on ice cream? Any food that exists, you can put some Danos on it. Go to danosseasoning.com, use my promo code HodgePodge, capital H and a capital P in HodgePodge. Guys, remember to do that. Um, just like the spelling of the podcast, a capital H and a capital P in HodgePodge. You can try all three flavors, which include original, spicy, and hot chipotle right now today. It's damn good. Yum, yum. Get you some. We are sponsored by Raise Energy, powered by the enhanced refresh technology. Raise Energy delivers with a performance-enhancing energy drink that aids in the most often overlooked categories. Raise Energy targets focus, enhances your recovery time, improves clean energy levels, and boosts your stamina and hydration. Most importantly, each single can of Raise Energy has absolutely zero calories, zero sugar, and zero carbohydrates, which that gives you a smarter and more healthier option. You should not have to settle for an energy drink that contains more sugar and carbs than you can count. Opt for the number one fan-voted energy drink on the market today with Raise Energy. If you want to get yourself a can of Raise Energy, go to repsports.com, R-E-P-P, sports.com. Use my promo code HPP1000, HPP1000 at checkout, and you will receive a generous discount. Welcome to the HodgePodge Podcast. Thanks for joining me today on this Friday. I am very grateful for each and every one of you that do listen and stream the video on YouTube. A lot of people don't know that. So even though I say it every week, it's like people still get emails on the HodgePodgeProductions at gmail.com. They go, I didn't know you put the, the, the podcast up on YouTube. And I go, I say it every week, but we are up on YouTube Those usually now, here's a little behind-the-scenes secret, those usually go up on Thursdays instead of Fridays. That's just for the video watchers and because I I appreciate them for taking the extra step to go to YouTube and for subscribing and for watching the video. So I'm just like, you know what, you're going to get it a day early. So if you want to listen to the podcast a day early and you want to watch the video, hey, go to YouTube. It's there. And the episode today is... 
going back to my childhood, going back to the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s, we got Tristan Sacri, and, and Tristan is a Scooby-Doo collector. And this is a very interesting... I saw him on TikTok. He was going... The, the, the video that I saw of him was very interesting. It was where he had like created these certain shelves and he painted them Scooby-Doo colors and he was to hang some of his memorabilia on. And I was like, that is so fascinating. I'm always fascinated by people that collect toys and collect like all these different things. Like for me, I collect records. I probably have a little over 500 in my collection. And then I also collect like Blu-rays and then crazily... I collect like uh, collectible popcorn buckets and popcorn cups, like exclusive, like to Cinemark or the Grand or AMC theaters, those types of things. When it comes out for like the superhero movies, I I have a ton in in, in my top closet, and I <laughs> they are just something that I can't get rid of. So it's very interesting to see another collector collect these things. And today, me and Tristan are chatting about the 2002 live-action Scooby-Doo film and the sequel to that titled Monsters Unleashed. I didn't know a lot of these facts that he gives me. I didn't know that a lot of the movie is inside joke to like inside jokes to other Scooby-Doo fans like that are. Just, but I mean, I was what five when the movie came out, so I mean it would make sense. Uh, but he also is chatting about when and why he started collecting Scooby-Doo collectibles and why exactly it was Scooby-Doo. Uh, was it his childhood? Was it uh, he just saw something one day? You're going to have to listen and find out. But we also chat, and this is where the chat gets very interesting, is because there were like three or four specific Scooby-Doo direct-to-video original movies that I found were very childhoodish to me, which were like the Alien Invasion, Zombie Island, Witch's Ghost, those types of of, of Scooby-Doo, Warner Brothers, direct to video. Cyber Chase is another one. He talks about why those specific ones are the final good Scooby-Doo movies, mainly because Warner Brothers put themselves into the production at the final two movies um, and how the difference you can tell between Zombie Island and Alien Invasion versus Cyber Chase. And it is an excellent talk. A lot of stuff I did not know. So without further ado, please welcome my guest today, Tristan Sackery, the Scooby-Doo collector, right here, right now. I love the setup, by the way. I was like, I hope he gets a photo of his collection here. <laughs> yes, I try to. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you have one of the biggest collections I've seen of Scooby-Doo. Um, I saw you on TikTok. It come up on my, your, your, was it your feed or something like that? For yeah, you for, feed? You, for you page, the for, yeah. The for you feed. And I was like, this is interesting because I watch a guy on youtube that is like the biggest spongebob and nickelodeon collector and i'm assuming the algorithm from that progressed over <laughs> to tiktok and so kind of i guess kind of start when and where you kind of started collecting scooby-doo i'm assuming it, it, it spawned from childhood yeah like i was a fan as a kid definitely um my favorite movie was uh zombie island like back in okay. 1998 
So I was yeah. a little young for it when it came out, but I, I had like this weird like attraction to it. I thought it was really elevated. Like a, a lot of the kids movies I was watching weren't that cool, truthfully. And then the live action came in 2002 and I was obsessed ever since. <laughs> yeah. So when you look back now and <laughs> the, that live action Scooby-Doo was, uh, was a little strange. W- wouldn't you say so? It's good, it was, but it's a little strange. It was. Uh, unfortunately, there were a lot of rewrites that happened post-production. Oh, so okay. after, so I do have like an original copy of the script, which is very far off from what it ended up actually being filmed. Um, but when they filmed most of it, they had a lot of the 3D rendering done. And of course, their post-production for back then was a long time because they had to like animate Scooby-Doo into the live-action film, right? Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of unfinished clips, a lot of unfinished scenes. And when they presented it to a group of parents, a lot of people got really upset because there were, um, there were a lot of like same sex jokes. There was actually a kiss between Daphne and Velma. There was a possession scene that's still in the deleted scenes where uh, Daphne has her protoplasm taken out. And all of that was cut from the movie. Like most of the R rated jokes, like anything that was, what we would call like edgy was completely cut from the movie. They really tried to make it a kid's film retroactively, which I'm, I, I'm happy that it got the rating that it did because it meant kids like me, like I was six when it came out. So it meant kids like me could watch it. But then when Scooby-Doo two monsters unleashed came out, they like did a full backpedal. Like that movie is so braided G like it's a bunch of kids like running around, like it's so innocent and I think if we had gotten the true director's vision and the script that they wanted to make for 2002, it would have been like even more of a cultural phenomenon today. I, I think I prefer Monsters Unleashed over the first one. The second is, one? <laughs> which is crazy to think because one was so odd. Like it was not your – like. And, and I know I'm sounding 90 when I say this, but like one was so odd, like it was way off from the cartoon that we used to watch. But yeah. two, they kind of like gathered it back together. and They're like, OK, here you go. But because one was so odd, I think two yeah. didn't get to two didn't make that much money. It got the sequel, the sequel spell, which was kind of like the first one was 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 a little, yeah. you know what I mean? So like there was no room for a third one, which I wish they would make those because, man. Matthew Lillard was so great in those. Freddie Prince Jr. was was excellent yeah. in that. And the I casting think was perfect. Lindy Linda Cardellini was was fantastic yep. as Velma. And then you know, and it's do you know? I don't know if you know this, and we'll we'll get to rolling here in a second. I'm just um just fascinated by the whole Scooby Doo culture phenomenon because that was the one. I think that was the one cartoon me and my brother could like didn't have to argue over. Because yeah. we because we enjoyed it, so. But but here's where I stand on the Scooby Doo's. I prefer now. I maybe I'm gonna get a lot of hate for saying this. Scooby Doo, where are you? I prefer that the one that come out like 2004, 2005, that cartoon over the originals from the 60s and the 70s. So, uh, what's new, Scooby Doo? What's new, Scooby Doo? That's it. Yeah. Yep, that's it. So. A lot of people will agree with that because okay. the thing the thing about Scooby Doo is, and I think that they try to they try to whenever they try to mix it up is when they go wrong, right? 
the people like watching it because they like this group of kids together. They like this dynamic. They like the four friends and their dog solving mysteries. Where I think they went wrong with that recently was with a Scoob movie that unfortunately when it went to theaters had absolutely no success because they split everybody up. So like iterations right. where they tr- where they try to keep it classic, I think do really well. Like What's New Scooby-Doo brought a lot of freshness. And again, it was the first series in almost 15 years since a pop named Scooby-Doo, I believe in the 80s. And it was, a, it, there was an animated opening for the live action movie that used their animation designs. It was supposed to be like a direct crossover. Like I always play the VHS tape and What's New Scooby-Doo is advertised in the VHS tape. Like for the first time in 15 years, the band's back together. Okay, cool. So, yeah. I think a lot of people would agree that they brought a lot of really fresh ideas, a lot of personality to that series. And yeah, like the theme song is banging. Like I, I love it. It's a great series. It's a simple plan. Three days yeah. grace. It's one of yeah. those, isn't it? It's simple. Yeah. Simple plan. It's the one that goes, what's your Scooby do yeah. come in after you. That one. That's it's yeah. rocks. Yeah. That's my show. Like I can still, I can still put that on a day and still watch it. Like I, yeah. I, it's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for me. I love every bit of it. Um, what is your stance on the Scoob movie? You brought it up, so I want to hit on it because I, I'll be honest, I'll give you my opinion first. <laughs> sure. Let's go for it. I didn't like it, man. I was a little bored with it, honest. I found it like when I saw the beginning of it, I was like, oh, because like they had like the original monsters and all that. I was like, oh man, it's gonna be great. And then they kind of switched it to like these alien whatever beings, and I was like, what what are we getting here? Yeah, I agree. There was a lot of potential, and unfortunately, I I feel like they were trying to Marvelify Warner Brothers. Right. So my partner was working on Space Jam: New Legacy at the at during this time during the pandemic, and what they tried to do with that movie is create like a multiverse. So when they came to when it came to Scoob, they were trying to introduce a lot of Hanna Barbera properties. They introduced, uh, they brought in like the Blue Falcon. They went to that island and like the, the Bigfoot guy, I don't know his name. But the, I feel like they, they used it. It felt like a giant commercial. It felt like, look at what we can do instead of look at what we're doing right now. I felt like, again, the gang was super underutilized. Like voice, voice casting aside, like I, I know a lot of people boycotted that movie just strictly because of the voice casting. Like, the people who've been voicing these characters for literally decades got shot in the foot. Like, this is our first feature-length animated feature. And they didn't even get the heads up that they were being replaced by A-list celebrities. And I I will full-on say that I'm I'm mad that it happened. Do you think that they used A-list celebrities because they knew the movie was not good? Yeah, truth. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the same. It's the same reason that they cast Paul Rudd as Ant Man. Like I'm not a Marvel fan, right. but there's a reason that they have Harry Styles in the third Thor movie. It's just to get someone to go to the third Thor movie. That's not a that's not a diehard fan because there, there's so much oversaturation. And unfortunately, like I wasn't able to even see it in theaters. Like I bought it on, on Blu-ray, but like my theater where I was was closed for the pandemic. So like right. was I wasn't too, even so. able to give my money dollars. But like the day it premiered, I I bought it for nineteen and then on iTunes. Like I, I watched it. Like I, I did what I could. But it's also disappointing because they have so much potential. Warner Brothers has so much potential, and they squander it all just because of poor planning and poor marketing. Like they were they, they were ninety nine percent done the sequel. 
Like there is a Scoob sequel that is 99.9% done. It was six weeks away from being finished and Warner Brothers cut the cord. Whoa, whoa. So there's not going to be a Scoob 2 then? No. They let them finish really? it. And then they wrote it off as a tax write-off. Is it's it bad. Be- is it because the first one was so bad, or or did okay? Whether you think it's bad or not, a, a kid is not really going to say, "I love that movie." You, they're, they're not going right. to pick it apart like us adults that watch Scooby Doo growing up. Yeah. So, and they're making those movies. Sure, there's some nostalgia with it, I assume, but they're pretty much making it for the for the younger kids. So, was there yeah. a reason why they just like said, "Okay, finish it," and then just not put it out, like? other than it being a tax write-off, were they like afraid that it was going to, that it was worse than the first? That's what everyone's asking. I, I truly think okay. that if, if the production studio doesn't release the film, they can write it off. And yeah. I don't, and I think they thought that they would make more money in the long run by just not releasing it. It was called like Scoob the Holiday Haunt or something. And it was okay. like, like everyone was heartbroken. Like the animators, the voice actors, the director, the writers, they were like, this thing was done. This thing was finished. Like you could sit and watch the whole film. There were like little nitty gritty background things that need to be needed to be tweaked. But for them to again take something that would have brought a lot of people joy and then just say it's about the money. That's where I think like Scooby Doo isn't in the right hands right now. I don't I don't think they know what they're doing with it. There are so many iterations and people keep asking, like, do you like the new Velma show? I haven't watched it. Um, the same, like, I haven't had time to watch Ooh. Be Cool Scooby-Doo. I, I, and I, mm. I've i heard that it's bad, but my my opinion with bad Scooby-Doo is at least something's being made. Like, at least something is keeping Scooby-Doo in the zeitgeist, whether it's for us, whether it's for teenagers, whether it's for a whole new group of kids. As long as it's being talked about like scooby-doo was trending on twitter every single week when the velma episodes came out and it got renewed for a second season just because of all the hate watch man <laughs> i'm just not gonna respond i do not like that <laughs> velma show. the velma show is not good but I haven't before, seen it. before i ask another question i want to know how much of the history of scooby-doo do you know nothing <laughs> so you don't know anything there's like I'll be honest, this, so I started collecting as a hobby in 2017. Um, as a kid, I was a very casual fan. We didn't have a, a ton of money growing up. So, like, I didn't have a lot of collectibles. I think I had two or three DVD, like, actual DVDs, and the rest were, like, bootlegs from Blockbuster. Yeah. Yeah. So, I get, I'll go ahead and ask it. If you just don't know, then, we, then we'll figure it out somehow. I, when so you you mentioned that Scooby Doo is not in the right hands with Warner Brothers, yeah. but I believe Warner Brothers has always had the copyright of Scooby Doo. So, I think Warner Brothers bought Hanna Barbera at one point. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that leads to so when I was growing up, the movies that were phenomenal to me, Scooby Doo, were Zombie Island, uh, the Cyber right. Chase. Oh my God, Cyber Chase was was freaking amazing and then mm-hmm. you had of course my favorite the alien invasion right so yeah those, there are those there are those the, four from the 90s that people regard as the best okay you can throw in the witch's ghost i guess uh yep. stuff like that. so my question is where did they go wrong because those are just so <laughs> amazing like like obviously i'm sure they've had new new writers and stuff from the uh, over the 20 years that that's happened yeah 
But like, yeah, this like, where did they, what, what happened in between that from like 97, 99 to 2002 to like now? So (laughs) (laughs) literally what happened was studio involvement. So like the commercials kept saying when What's New Scooby-Doo came out, it's like for the first time in 15 years, the band's getting back together for for a TV show because there wasn't a TV show since the 80s, which was a pup named Scooby-Doo. So after a pup named Scooby-Doo, there was about, I think, seven or eight years where like there was no new Scooby-Doo media. There were no shows. There were no new movies. And but they still own the rights and the properties. So this duo, this director and writer duo, went to Warner Brothers, who worked for the studio, and said, we have a, we have a pitch for a Scooby-Doo reboot. And they were like, oh yeah, sure, go for it. So when it came to that first movie, Zombie Island, there was next to like no input from Warner Brothers Studios or Warner Animation put into that movie. Most of it was outsourced to Asia. Like a lot of the animation, like a lot of the backgrounds look like old like Pokemon episode backgrounds. Um, like you can take stills, like there's a hog in that movie and it literally looks like a scene from like an old 90s like anime. Right, yeah. Where they went wrong is the steady decline of the success from that movie and then all of the producers and all of the higher-ups in Warner having an input on the movies. A lot of people regard Cyber Chase as their favorite from that era. Um, if you go back and sort of put the two side by side, the animation quality, the story quality, the, the even the mystery, like right from the get-go, it's pretty basic. There's a lot of like input and changes that happen to the point where that was the last movie that those writers and that director worked on. So within those four, fil- those four films that were from the same duo, by the time the fourth one happened, they were so upset with what Warner had done to their specific vision that that fourth movie, Cyber Chase, is the least Scooby-Doo of those four films, technically. A lot of kids loved it. A lot of people loved it. I loved it as a kid. I thought it was so cool they went into a video game. But like, there was a steady decline in production quality and story and sort of like rushing... I, w- I will agree because when you're watching those four, Cyber Chase is probably like when you're when you're looking at it as a not taking your Scooby Doo fan out of it, but when you're just looking at it as an animated movie, yeah. that is the least like it's it's not that good. But for some reason, the nostalgia that you loved it as a kid is yeah. like it's great because it was a very very simple story. And it was like, there was not, but it was like close to the end of it. They gave up. Like, they were just like, you know what? We're going to do it. And we're we're done. Like it it felt that way. It's very conceptually cool. Like it's a great idea. I think that's why it stuck with a lot of kids. It's just like being transported into a video game was so ahead of its time to like within technology in the nineties itself. I don't know if that was the year 2000 or like 2001. Um, but then again, like if you put any of the stills, like even the background art from the second movie that they made, which was Witch's Ghost, that movie's beautiful. Like Hex Girls Nostalgia aside, that is a visually fantastic film. And like I, I really urge anyone watching that loves Cyber Chase to just pull up two stills side by side and like how flat the backgrounds are, how flat the animation is. The gang looks so like Play-Doh. Like they, they have no depth, no no expression. So you said you got into collecting 
2017. Yeah. Do you remember? And you probably get this. I, I, I'm probably going to ask you this question you've been asked 15 times because I. That's okay. You're, you're, you are the first collector that I've had on the podcast. So. Um, oh well, that's awesome. I love that. Honors, Thank you. honors out to you. But um, what was the first thing that you remember buying and and that started the collection? Sure. So, like, the reason I started collecting in 2017, um, I was in a really bad place um my dad had passed away in january and like my my partner at the time was at my eulogy and like i was i i like talked about scooby-doo with my dad like i associate a lot of memories with my dad with scooby-doo and he knew this at the time and he had gone into a convenience store across the street from our apartment and they had the original five scooby-doo funko pops for sale for like 15 bucks a piece which now they're like a hundred bucks um, and he just surprised surprised me like in the like with them on a random day, and I I cried. I was like, "Thank you, like this means a lot to me." And I was like, "I really do love Scooby Doo." And I was just like, "I have a whole bunch of um, like books, like Scholastic book orders from when I was a kid." Like, unfortunately, I lost a bit of my collection when I was a kid. Um, as I was getting older, I used to have like a whole bunch of plushies on my bed, and when I was entering like middle school, I was like, "Mom, like." you're making me, you're forced me to make my bed every day. Like, can we put them somewhere else? And we threw them in a box or a garbage bag somewhere and they just went missing. Like she swears to this day that she has no idea where they went. Like, she's like, I never throw out your Scoobies. <laughs> but um, it was after that, that like, I like put up a shelf in our office. And I just threw what DVDs I had and like my VHS tapes and some books and the Funko Pops. And I was just like, looking at this makes me happy. And I was like, I, it was very casual. Like I, I, I wasn't searching for Scooby stuff. I wasn't like thinking about even making content at all. Like it wasn't, it wasn't in my mind at all. Um, and then we started going to thrift stores casually and I'd be like, Oh, like there's always Scooby stuff here. Like there's always an old toy or like an old DVD I don't have. And then it started just snowballing from there. And then it's been six years and I just got this room about a year ago to myself. Like this is just like my office now. And it's just sort of grown into this when you're when you're out because i'm always like because i'm a collector of like certain things not like scooby-doo or or spongebob or any of those things but like i collect like vinyl records right here behind me i have a whole bunch of vinyl records i collect yeah. blu-ray and 4k like i'm that type of collector yeah <laughs> but um i am not the type of person that will go and say Oh, I have that one. So let me get a second one just in case something happens to the first one. So are you like a double collector? No way. <laughs> okay. Okay. There well, I think we're pretty responsible now. Like this is this is a two-person collection. Like um I met my partner in September of 2020 and that was our first conversation was like he saw my profile picture. I was wearing a Scooby-Doo like face mask for COVID in my profile picture and he sent me a message like it's so funny wearing a mask because like usually the gang unmasks the villains and like we were joking about it and he was like i work in the industry like i'm an animator i'm working on a warner brothers film right now and he's like my favorite movie scooby-doo 2002 and then ever since then like this has been our hobby like we do scooby hunts on tiktok we go out to thrift stores we get all this stuff that being said if we need to stop we do like I, yeah. a lot, like, especially in stores, we obviously we don't have this problem thrifting because it's hard to find doubles if you find anything at all. 
But if I find a double of VHS tape, I don't buy it, even if it's two dollars. If I find a double of a DVD, I don't buy it because like who needs two? Um, especially when things are full price, we don't buy backups. Just and then we also don't don't stretch ourselves. Like there are things that we see and we're like that is not worth thirty dollars, and we just don't get them. Do you see the rise of? Because I will say this, and I will live with this until it does not happen anymore. I am like an 80 year old person when it comes to yard sales. I get so irritated nowadays because yard sales are not yard sales anymore. They are like flea markets. They are so awful. Even the Goodwills, they are God awful expensive because social media, social media has that influence of saying, Oh, because you have something old, guess what? It could be worth 80 to a hundred dollars. Yeah. Do you see that rise with Scooby-Doo? Because it, and maybe I should ask this first. Is Scooby do like, like a SpongeBob or like a uh, like a Simpsons? Is it that big where like everybody collects those things now? Uh, I know a lot of Scooby Doo collectors. Okay, sorry. Um, oh, okay, there's a lot of Scooby Doo collectors like on Instagram. So and I've through TikTok found a lot really close to me. And I find it funny because I'm like, oh, that's where all the stuff on Facebook Marketplace and Kijiji goes. Because this is like. There are people around me looking specifically for Scooby stuff for collecting purposes. Um, People always comment this in my, like, we do Scooby hunting videos where we go to, like, flea markets, um, antique stores, any value village, Goodwill, any, like, secondhand store. And I'll find anything but Scooby. Like, I, I always joke that I constantly find Muppet stuff or, like, Wizard of Oz stuff. And then I have those collectors in my comments being like, Oh my god, I wish I lived near you because I can never find Muppet stuff. I can never find Wizard of Oz stuff. There's there's a thing with um like it it's so hard to compare finds for secondhand items. Like anyone can walk into a hot topic across the country and find pretty much the same thing you're looking for. Comparing what I decide to film to upload to TikTok. Like, I don't film everything I find. Like, if I'm posting it, it's because we found something. Like, I want to make content where, like, if we're going Scooby hunting, I want there to be a Scooby in the video. And I try to, like, keep that, keep up that maintenance. But that's given, like, a false sense of people that we just have so much luck trying to find things. Like, you asked about Simpsons. I can't remember the last time I saw Simpsons anything. Like, I, I, right. I know some Simpsons collectors on TikTok, and they have hundreds of items but they're things that i have absolutely never seen in person well that's what well that that was part of my question is is scooby that rare like are prices just like like sky high for scooby items because i i will see a plush every now and then or maybe like a little action figure but i never see like full play sets or anything that you know i mean anything back in the day i don't think so is it rare there's a lack of scooby merchandise in stores currently like, I just made a post this morning on Instagram about um, a sticker sheet that I found at Walmart. And I was like, I'm shocked that they even have stickers at Walmart. Because when I was a kid, they had bathroom sets. They had towels. Yeah, like, everything. I have, I literally have a shower curtain. They had, like, car accessories, mats, steering wheel covers. And Throw now there's blankets. nothing. They had ev- <laughs> everything. Everything. Yeah. Everything. So, as far as... That's a pretty good gauge on whether something collectible is going to be expensive in the reseller market you can walk into walmart and you can find spongebob merchandise because it's still pretty current kids love it the the way that paw patrol has sort of taken 
like I, there's like a dog fandom and i feel like in the in the 80s 90s early 2000s scooby-doo sort of fed that dog fandom like he was a lovable mutt he had that like adventure side unfortunately for the scooby fandom i think paw patrol has stolen a lot of that kid love because kids don't look at scooby-doo the same way they look at a whole bunch of puppies anymore so like as far as value it it comes and goes like i feel like people sell stuff on like facebook marketplace just to get rid of it when it comes to ebay sellers the prices are crazy and that's what i said like we i we consider ourselves in-person collectors like we like looking in person funko pops are a different story because they're impossible to find but it has to be something extremely valuable to me that i really want at a decent price on on ebay to actually pay for it and then pay for shipping to canada um so, oh so you're you're canada yeah, Ontario. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Okay, cool. So yeah, when with Scooby Doo and collecting, is there something that you like? I have always seen you like. I have to have it, but the price is just outrageous for no unnecessary reason. If so, give us a couple of options. Yes. So like we have been looking for. There's there's a full set of Scooby Doo Barbie collaborations. So okay. there's like the Scooby Doo Barbie from 2002, where it's Barbie dressed as Daphne, and then there's the same thing for 2004 Monsters Unleashed. Uh, there's the OG collaboration, which is Barbie in like a pink like detective's outfit, and then there's a whole line of like Ken and Barbies where it's just like Daphne, Fred, Shaggy, Velma, and then there's a whole line of Chelsea dolls, like little miniature dressed up as Scooby Doo. And you can buy them on eBay. Like they're readily available, but they're they're a lot. Like they're a lot of money. It's almost a hundred bucks a doll, or you can get like four of them for three hundred dollars. The problem with that again is like my, my partner currently, like he used to collect Lego sets and he used to like buy used Lego sets that he really wanted. When the Lego movie came out, he noticed a drastic price increase in the reseller market because Lego had re-entered the market as like a mainstream media. And unfortunately, a lot of kids got into like, not unfortunately, it's meant for kids. They're toys. Like we can't be selfish and like want these things without merit. But right. I'm with this, the Barbie movie coming out in literally a week. I, I have no doubt that those Scooby-Doo Barbies, like right now, I can't afford to drop 800 bucks on the full set. <laughs> they're going to be worth um. <laughs> They're going to be worth almost double once that movie comes up because people are going to like reignite that nostalgia. Right. I am um, currently I'm messaging my brother because he was he was a collector like you were. And I'm trying to find these two things, which I found them and I'll show you here in just a second. Because if he still has them and doesn't want them and you don't have them. I would be love to share them to, sh to, to to send them over to you and share it with you that would be awesome. um is this is it scooby-doo it is scooby-doo <laughs> Scooby so i had he these are pictures from the internet because he didn't text me in a, in a right amount of time yeah. but there is this lamp here oh gosh you have a lamp so that he still owns oh wow no i don't have any lamps <laughs> and then there is this which is this is also from the internet so people don't sue me this is a scooby-doo magic coin set it's a coin set. Oh, sorry, coin trick. Oh, so like you put your own quarter in and it does something in the box. Yeah. Oh, cool. I've never even seen that. 
So, yeah, those are um, those are pretty cool. But like when the Scoob movie come out, you were you you were obviously collecting at that time. Yes. Yeah. So, are you against anything new Scooby? Does it have to be old Scooby, or is it just anything? Like, okay, if it's everything Scooby, can it be like off market brand, or does it? Uh, or are you st- strictly sticking with it has to be you know branded Scooby Doo? Uh, I haven't purchased anything that's not licensed, licensed Scooby merch. Yeah. Okay. Except for pins, because like I think the little artworks are just fun, and it's something that. It's not directly – it's not a piece that, like, when I'm <laughs> – how do I put this? Like, uh, I did an AliExpress haul recently, and most of those things aren't licensed. It was just a way for me to sort of gauge what's affordable in the collector community. Like, a lot of people ask or, like, say, like, I'm so jealous of your collection. Like, you have so much stuff. I don't like when people comment that truthfully because it makes me feel bad. Like, all collections are valid. When I only had my three Scooby-Doo DVDs in 2017 when I started collecting as a hobby, my collection was valid. I was happy with the ones that I had from my childhood. So, people see me, like, going Scooby hunting, going to, like, Spencer's Hot Topic, spending, like, full price on a lot of stuff. I like giving the option and showing what you can get for an affordable price. Like I got a whole bunch of lanyards, we got stickers, we got pins, and they were all like cents on the dollar. Like they were, they, like there's, they're nothing to pay for. The shipping costs virtually nothing. I don't mind collecting things that aren't licensed because it gives, like, I feel very blessed to be able to afford this. I'm in a position where like, this is two people investing both of our like hobby into this. Like this is our hobby. This is our recreational activity. We spend our days off. We don't go on lavish vacations. We spend our days off road tripping around our cities trying to find like literal garbage amongst old people's donated crap. Um, to say that I would be against collecting things that aren't licensed. I feel like is a bit snobby. Like, I don't think I'm there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, like, again, people always ask me what my favorite thing in my collection is. And they're like ornaments that my partner made for me out of clay. They're on the Christmas tree. Yeah. Like I think my favorite things are the things that aren't mass produced. That's, that's a better way. That's a sort, long and short of it. Sometimes the most special things that can be for me are things that aren't mass produced. So as we kind of wind down here, man, um, when let's go back to the 2002 scooby-doo because i I was thinking about it as we were talking here and there is one part of the movie that makes absolute no sense to me and i'm wondering maybe you have more scooby knowledge than i do for that movie probably (laughs) for you could explain it so the movie's over 20 years old so i don't mind spoiling it for those that haven't watched it yes it's actually it's playing right now okay oh okay the original o2 yeah Okay, cool. When so the whole villain is this guy that plays Mr. Bean in real life. The Rowan Atkinson is is the yes. guy that's is supposedly this villain. Uh, they go to like a zombie or uh, what kind of whatever kind of island it is, right? So they go to this island, and it's like encrypted with these little demon-looking dogs that they see sunshine and they explode. Yes. Well, the end of the movie <laughs> after that big battle with the big. Skele- uh, the, the 
metal-looking Skeletor guy. When that happens, and the person, when they unmask him like they do, it's yes. Scrappy. Yes. When is Scrappy a villain? Like, because they did Scooby and Scrappy show. They were always together because he was the nephew of Scooby. He called him Uncle Scoop. And then, like, all of a sudden, this movie, like, makes a turn where Scrappy is a villain. Like, is there a reason for that? Or was it just like, hey, let's just throw it in here? So, uh, there is this... It's a giant inside joke. I'll just say that. Okay. Like, Scrappy-Doo being the actual villain in a Scooby-Doo movie is a giant inside joke. So, in the adventure... The new adventures of Scooby-Doo... Like with with Flim Flam and Scrappy Doo and Scooby Doo and like sometimes Daphne, people found Scrappy Doo extremely annoying. They thought he was a terrible character. They thought he was a terrible ad. A lot of people have some nostalgia for him because he's kind of an underdog. Um, but the studio was aware of this, and they were aware that Scrappy Doo was kind of uh, a thorn in everybody's side. Like they just didn't like the character. After that series ended. Scrappy-Doo was not reintroduced into any of the Scooby-Doo canon until 2002. So what they're implying is that he was so annoying in that movie and he was such a pain in the ass that like he was pissing on Daphne. He was telling Fred to to grow some balls, like insinuating that he was neutered. The joke that everyone hated Scrappy and they literally kicked him to the curb because that's what the studio did to Scrappy in the 80s. You're right. And the fl- there's a flashback in the O2 movie yes. where they were young and they kick him to the curve and like he kicks his suitcase and hurts his foot or paw. I'm as cute as a Powerpuff Girl. Right, right. Yes. Okay, so it's it's all a joke that you're not going to understand unless you research it. <laughs> Pretty much. You, you're, <laughs> you're supposed to understand that Scrappy Doo was a, was a really annoying character that the gang got rid of. And this is him getting back at the Mystery Inc. gang because they don't, oh. he doesn't like Mystery Inc. So they took a real life situation as if the people yes. think Scrappy is annoying. So let's make it as if the team thinks he's annoying. Exactly. Got it. That's, that's the inside joke. That's yeah. the, got it. Okay, now that you explain that, that makes <laughs> sense. But I don't. I never would have known that. Never would have yeah. known that. Because, but it does make sense that you put it. And that that's way. the thing is, like in the old cartoons, it never actually played on a camera that way. This was all retroactive. This was all like fan response, like fan theory. Like no one liked Scrappy Doo in those movies. They did. They didn't like him in like Scooby Doo and Arabian Nights. Like it wasn't. He wasn't a great character. Now, <laughs> so. Now, let let you to you you brought up the fan theories, so I think right. I feel I have a open minded now to bring it up. Okay. The two thousand and two Scooby let a lot of drug use in the movie. Let yes, it, it insinuated that they were yeah. pot smoker. Now that's the fan theory. Is that back in the seventies that show they were a bunch of teenage kids who got high and imagined all of this stuff. What is your? I know it's just a theory because I, I, I cannot imagine somebody that goes, let's let's write a story and then this is what's supposed to happen. It just takes one theory happens and it it just floods all seventy six thousand of the other ones. Right. What are your thoughts on that? I think ridiculous fan theory because I think in the movie that again was an open joke. They played the joke well as if these kids are supposed to be potheads, right? And that's the thing is. 
I didn't even get most of those jokes when I was watching the movie when I was six you, years you old. Don't. I, yeah, you I don't. didn't get them until I was an adult. Um, I've never actually heard the theory that it's all that they were high and it was all imagined. I haven't heard that. Really? Okay, okay. No. that's that's like the most famous theory about the Scooby Doo. Um because that's why Shaggy's always eating. Scooby Doo's always eating. That's what the thing the thing with the munchies, I get. The thing with like Shaggy being a vegetarian because of Casey Kasem, it, it sort of lended itself to the whole like seventies hippie dippy Wait, wait, we- wait. What what do you mean, Shaggy a vegetarian? Didn't he eat sandwiches all the time? So that's the thing. That that's the reason that Casey Kasem didn't continue as the voice of Shaggy is because they wanted Shaggy to be a vegetarian. And so that's another nod to the live action 2002 movie. That's why Shaggy's eating chocolate covered eggplant burgers. That was a nod to the Casey Kasem. So Matthew Lillard's Shaggy is is a vegetarian. <laughs> really? Yeah. But wait, what... but wait, but wait, but wait. Then then then, then I was, I'm sorry, I got to calm down. <laughs> because sure. if that's true because in 2 don't they go hog ham on like all that Thanksgiving fake food and stuff like the sausages and all this. So remember before they get pinned up? Yeah, that's the first movie. That's so the that, first that's, one. that's the first one. Okay. Yeah, because that's all rubber. So they know it's rubber. They know it's rubber. Yeah. So they're insinuating in, and then there's even a little stinger scene at the end where, like, where the credits are rolling, where they're eating hot peppers, and like Shaggy's eating like a vegetarian pizza. Like, there's no meat on it. It was very subtle. It was a subtle nod to Casey Kasem, which was the original voice of Shaggy, and it was sort of like paying homage because. His wishes were for Shaggy to be a vegetarian. But I thought you just said that he quit doing Shaggy because they wanted Shaggy to be a vegetarian. Yeah, so this was this was like a friendly nod to his wishes. In the, in the live action, but wait, because I, they, wait, I, I hang on, I, I'm sorry, I'm not understanding. I, 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 so, Casey Kasem, who played Shaggy and Scooby Doo yes, in 1969 till yes, 1973. Yes, in the original show, Scooby Doo, where are you? Yeah, he. You, you said that he was going to quit if they made Shaggy a vegetarian, correct? No, no, sorry. So he voiced Shaggy for those few seasons right. for right. that show, and then he himself was a vegetarian. And because food was such a big aspect of Shaggy's character, along with like the weed motifs and the munchies and like the whole hippie side of those meddling kids, it was his wishes. Around after that point, and they said, "Can we please make Shaggy vegetarian?" And they were like, "Ah, don't be ridiculous! Like he eats sandwiches Got and pepperoni you. pizzas." Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. pretty much the 2002 Scooby Doo live action is just all a big open joke of a movie. There's a that's the thing. There's a lot of <laughs> inside baseball in that movie, but I feel like personally, there's a lot more in the second. Like in the second, they're dealing with all of the original ghosts, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. All right, so last couple of questions for you, man, and we'll for get sure. you off no here. Um, I'm loving this. This is great. Thank you. What is your favorite Scooby-Doo villain? And I know that's probably going to be a hard one, but I think I'm going to have to go with, and I'm bad at these names, I, the Tar Man or the Tar Monster looking thing or the, who's the guy that used to wear like the skiving, the skydiving gear? Skydiving or scuba diving? Scuba diving gear. The, where he oh, had, like, ca- the, ca- the, Captain Cutler. Captain Cutler. Yeah, that's probably my favorite. It's Captain. Yes, Cutler. that's that's also my favorite. <laughs> okay, all right. His costume is uh, just so cool, and I love it. Like in the second one, they made him like glow green. Like it. Yeah, it that so too. Great. In the second one, I think he was the most scary, like influential for me. Like he was 
literally shooting darts at the gang, and I thought that he had one of the scarier scenes in that movie. But also, like the ten thousand volt ghost as an actual creature, like let alone the actual physics of it in the in the in the seventies. Like I don't know how they got they got a ten thousand volt ghost to make any sense. But yeah. that's also like a pretty creepy one. I think I like. Have you heard the story of how Matthew Lillard got his shaggy voice? I don't think I have. Okay, so I was watching an interview with Matthew Lillard, who I am trying desperately to get on this podcast. I'm trying so hard to get this guy on the podcast. But um, he's just so loved, I think. And so every morning before shoot, he would just get into his car, he'd pull up at at, at the lot, and he would scream until his voice went hoarse. And so really? he, he did the entire one and two Scooby-Doo movies horse to get the voice of Shaggy. And it's that crazy. makes a lot of sense. And it's crazy now that he plays the voice of Shaggy in all of the new Scooby-Doo things. Yeah. That's interesting because I we have seen the behind the scenes for the 2002, like all the interviews, like behind the scenes stuff. And there's like a little section where they're talking to the on set voice actor for Scooby that was working with Matthew during all those scenes. And uh, Matthew just had like a, like a throwaway line where he was like, he has to do the, "Ah!" like he has to keep doing that over and over until he gets into the right pitch. But I had never heard that screaming in the car thing, but it makes so much sense because Shaggy has such a high pitched voice, but it's so husk. Like it has that rasp to it. That's so fascinating. Thank you for letting me know that. Yeah. When I find it, I will, um, text it to you or however we communicate. I don't, I don't even know anymore at this point, but, um, yeah, I, I want to know what are your thoughts on the fact that, so there Scooby-Doo is doing all of these, like, like they did like a WWE one, which was very, I thought very odd. Yeah. <laughs> they did the kiss one, which, Yep. was okay because I'm a big Kiss fan, but it was still very odd. What are your thoughts on them making these straight-to-DVD movies, I guess you could call them, or straight-to-streaming movies featuring all of these famous beings or people? Do you think like, do you think that was their last resort to keep Scooby going? Do you think Scooby can, can, can without, with, with, withstand all of the new things that's coming out? Again, I think it's almost a little bit of an inside joke because the Scooby-Doo show, like every episode was featuring like Sonny and Cher. Like mm-hmm. they had mm-hmm. guests, like they had the, the Harlem uh, Globetrotters. Harlem Globetrotters, yeah. It was like taking, like the Muppets do this. Like when the Muppets try to rebrand, they always try to incorporate mainstream celebrities and sort of like a Sesame Street vibe where like, it, it's giving a face, right? Like you're you're taking what you have and adding something referential, like something people know, like pe- something people can see. It's it was also a nod in the Scoob movie. That's why Simon Cowell was there. That's the joke right, of Simon right. Cowell being the villain. Sorry, that's a huge spoiler. <laughs> like Simon Cowell being the villain was a nod to all of these like cameos. Hmm. So like. There's one called the Gourmet Ghost where Bobby Flay is. Bobby Fred's Flay, uncle. yeah, that is, that's I, a little weird. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I weird. think, I think, as much as I really don't like it, I think that is a way of keeping Scooby Doo sort of current. Mm. Um, mm. I think it brings a bit of nostalgia to people that 
it's fun to see your fandoms come together. Like, I haven't seen it yet, but there's a Scooby-Doo meets Supernatural crossover, and there's a lot of Supernatural fans. And that show, like, they call each other the Scooby Gang or something like that. Like, I've never seen it. And cross cross platforms, people hold Scooby-Doo, they hold Supernatural, they hold, like, the Scream franchise, they hold horror movies. It's all in, like, a big bubble. Like, there's a lot of cross fandom, like, within that range of, like, the ooky spooky, mm-hmm. right? And so to see two of your favorites come together in one movie, um, there's, like, there's no harm. I really don't mind it. As long as we're getting, like, a direct-to-DVD every two years, again, at least something's being made. At least they're doing something with it, as opposed to the 90s, where it went 15 years without a TV show, where it went seven years without a movie, Right? Like yeah. they just made a Scooby Doo and it meets the Cowardly Dog. I don't. I've never seen that show. I haven't like, seen it, that either. I, I haven't. Was, I've seen the show. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie. So, like, I've never even seen the Cowardly, like the Coward. Right. Dog. I don't know. But for people that were a fan of that show and were also a fan of Scooby Doo, that was probably a fantastic movie. It, it like hit a lot of like funny home runs for them. And again, not everything has to be for me. Like I said, I. I, yeah, I haven't yeah. I haven't seen Velma. I haven't seen Be Cool Scooby Doo yet. There was like there was a Scooby and Shaggy show the last like half a season I haven't seen. But honestly, as long as they're trying, as long as they're keeping it in media, in culture, as long as something's being made, I can't complain. <laughs> last question, and I know I've said this a lot, but this is the final, final question. No, no worries. <laughs> Taking out the live action Scooby Doo's. Yeah. Let's take let's take out the Scoob because that's not going to be nobody's favorite. What is your favorite Scooby Doo movie? It's really easy to say Z- Zombie Island, which is the one from 1998. A lot of people will say that that's their favorite because it, it was the first that had the like the creatures were real, like the monsters were real. It deals with zombies, the cat creatures, the ghosts. Again, it had very little. Um, production input from the company of Warner so it's it feels like a very solid standalone piece from a writer and a director that knew and understood and a writing team that loved and understood Scooby-Doo and Zombie (laughs) Zombie Island was one of those that still shot like it shocked you as a kid to realize the ending of that movie was like holy crap they're all zombies like it it was like how they uh, what were they turned into the cat people like when they were in that big hole in the ground it's crazy to see it. It was, it, it was really scary as a kid. Like, and that's the thing is that, <laughs> and they, the studio has taken that, and they've done a lot of backpedaling. Like, I think it was two years ago they released a sequel to that movie called Return to Return to Zombie Island, and they backpedaled. Was it any the, good? I it's genuinely, gen, and I don't say this lightly, the worst Scooby Doo property I have ever seen. No way, because I was gonna watch it and then I just forgot about it. Like the amount of backpedaling they did, like in the movie, people regard the live action two thousand and two and Zombie Island nineteen ninety eight as two of the best. Sure, I I agree. I agree. The reason people take those as the best is because they're a direct sequel to the original. What uh, Scooby Doo? Where are you? Okay. Like the right. nostalgia, the 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 original episodes, the gang, those four years, like the original show and what it represented, it's taking that, forgetting everything else, and then saying the band 
the, the they got the band back together. The group is a bit older. They've all gone their separate ways. They're reuniting for one mystery. In 1998 in Zombie Island, Shaggy works at the airport. He gets fired. Uh, Daphne and Fred have a show called Coast to Coast with Daphne Blake. That's they're starting right. a new they're starting a new series called Haunted America, and Fred has the idea to like call up Velma, who's working at a bookstore called Mystery Inc. Like as in a bookstore. And he's like, I want to get the, like, I want to get the band back together. Like, that's what that movie is. And it's them getting back into their roots. It's them rekindling the friendships that they had. It's them sort of reestablishing who they are as adults. Scooby-Doo 2002, it picks up before they break up and they, they have a fight and they have a falling out and they all go their separate ways. And again, there's, unfortunately, there's, there's an amazing scene that they cut out in the live action where they show their backstories like fred's doing the convention run with his new book like uh velma's in therapy like and everyone's joking like i don't remember a thelma like because she's the forgotten like skewy member daphne takes martial arts classes like they show all these backstories and then they come back together to solve another mystery and i think people have such a hard time like i love both of them they're fantastic but i feel like for us to get another theatrical movie of the same scope, like the scale, like I'm not talking about the direct to videos or anything like that. I, I wish they would have done it with Scoob. I think Scoob was meant for a much younger audience. It was meant for little kids, which I think is where they might've gone wrong. Um, but I think that's why people regard those as the best is because it is a direct response to nostalgia people felt the nostalgia in 98 right like people felt the nostalgia in 2002 and that's what people want now is like we're in a huge nostalgia fest that's the reason i'm a collector that's the reason why like 20 somethings are not buying houses we're buying toys right so yeah i'd say zombie island is my favorite um there's a couple that are good but like there's a couple that from my childhood that i loved in the what's new scooby-doo era like loch ness monster is fantastic there's one from, I think, 2011 called Stage Fright. That's a directed DVD that's actually really, really funny and a really good writer. Um, but as far as the OG Scooby-Doo's, those are, you can't go wrong with those. Tristan, thank you very much for doing this. <laughs> thank you. Th- thank you so much. I, I I know we stayed on longer than planned, but uh, thank you. That's I, no worries. I appreciate it. I enjoy talking all things Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> it brought me back to my literal childhood like and, yes. I, and, I, and I can't thank you enough for that and thank you for your content man thank I, you keep, keep up man that's what i strive to do truthfully i get a lot of comments of people being like this hit me right in the nostalgia yeah. like it, it's it's bringing a lot of joy and like as as long as i can keep doing it i will happily do it like i almost cried when you come on because in the top left of my screen you have the uh haunted house up there scooby-doo <laughs> yes yeah the and Playmobil. that was that was one of the first Scooby toys I had. It was like, oh, I hadn't seen that in forever. And it was like, whoa, you know, it was <clears throat> kind of crazy. But thank you very much, man. It was a pleasure yes, talking you. to you. And um, I would love to have you back on sometime in the future, talk more Scooby, more, just more nostalgia. Absolutely. Definitely. If you get Matthew on, please let me know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thank you very much. Thank you.